Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back inside the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. Episode 96 coming to you live this week. Zach Follador joined, as always, by Zach Banuenzi here to uh, break down the week that was in Max Sports. Take a little look ahead of some of the stuff coming up, going on this weekend. Banzi, how are you, sir? All doing pretty good. Uh, you know, been looking forward to this uh, all day. You know, just kind of excited to uh, put some content out and uh, talk some Mac sports. Uh, you know, it's starting to get to that point of the year where we got Mac baseball. And, uh, you know, here in Big Ten country, I'm starting to turn on the, the Big Ten network, starting to Jones for, you know, some of those classic football games that they uh, replay. And I, I just wish we had like a, a Mac you know, sports channel or like, uh, or something, uh, the equivalent of the Big Ten Network. Man, wouldn't that be great? Even if it was just like a streaming service or something of like an ESPN Plus type of deal where you could rewatch old Mac games, man, I would love that to be able to go back and do that. I agree with you completely. It's that time of the year where, you know, baseball is great. I'm a baseball fan, but once, you know, we get past college basketball and moves into May, we start to get into the summer. This is that time of year where, I'm I'm really missing football now. You know what I mean? And and baseball baseball does a lot to get me through, but there's nothing like those weekends in September and October. And so I'm 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 ready. I'm ready for some football to be back. But thankfully, uh the Mac gave us uh, a lot to 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 talk about this week. They gave us a lot to uh keep ourselves occupied with. So let's jump right into it here, Vansy. This first story, um you know, the, the Twitter put on a tweet about this yesterday, about this Akron rebrand, right? And I don't know if we've ever gotten as many responses to a question on Twitter as we did about this Akron rebrand, brand, about 20 plus comments on, uh, on, on that on that tweet. And I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts here, Vansy, because if you, you know, we read the, uh, read the release by Akron where, you know, they talked about their their identity getting a little bit muddled, right? Where they had eight different logos that you could conceivably refer to as their primary logo here over the last couple of years, right? They had the the kangaroo, the kangaroo with the University of Akron on it. They had the Z, the A with the kangaroo head, the script Akron, all these different logos. They've gotten rid of all of those for now in 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 favor of this new what they're calling the stylized modern A that's going to appear on their football helmets. It's going to appear at midfield on there at, uh, at Infocision field there at uh, the, you know, the football stadium. Vansy, I'd be, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I want to hear your, your initial reaction to, to this rebrand here. And then I'll, I'll, I'll give mine after we hear what you have to say, but I'm, I'm curious to kind of get your, your initial thoughts on this. Well, first off, I mean, I, you know, I think for the last few years, we've heard that uh, Akron Athletics was really uh, money strapped and, and yeah. uh, 
since then they've gone out, they've hired John Gross, they've hired Joe Moorhead, and now they've, you know, rebranded. So, uh, you know, maybe that's just completely wrong on uh, this whole, you know, that how, you know, essentially poor that athletic department is. Um, but, you know, when I was going, I got a lot of thoughts on this. And when I was looking over it, I didn't realize how many different logos they had. And they put out a great video and there's just, they've had a lot of athletic successes, but if you're watching college athletics and you see a logo with a kangaroo, you're not thinking Akron, Ohio, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, in Mac country, yeah, we're diehards and we get that. And then, you know, yeah, Zippy, you know, Zippy the Roo is kind of the unofficial hustle belt mascot or celebrity crush or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, so we get that, but outside of that window, I don't know that a lot of people really understand that. Um, you know, and I think we're sensing this trend. Uh, you know, you look at what Western Michigan did with their block W, um, you know, and in getting rid of the ghost Bronco and trying to streamline it across sports. Uh, you know, I think these universities part of their brand is they want you to be able to see it and be like, okay, that's Western Michigan. That's Akron, you know? So that being said, I, I think the a, um, you know, right now, if you look at it, it's it kind of reminds me of a Canadian football logo or something, you know, immediately when I look, I'm not saying, Oh, that's Akron, but I think that takes time. And I think it'll come to mean more does, Oh, that's Akron than what you would necessarily see from a kangaroo head or, or, or something along those lines. Um, you know, so it does make sense. Um, you know, they put out some renderings of the football field and of the basketball court. It looks very sharp. I think it's a, a, a fine logo. Um, I don't know what else you could have really done, you know, there. Um, you know, I'm still partial to the Akron logo that they wore under helmets when uh, Charlie Fry played there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, um, you know, I would have liked to have seen that come back, but uh, I think streamlining the brand, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and uh, you talk about the sports calendar getting a little bit slower, nothing is going to draw up more. And we saw this with Western is going to draw up more feelings than a logo change, um, you know, in, in the summer months in a slow period. Yeah, you're right about that. They definitely picked a good time of the year uh, to get people talking in order to announce this. And, you know, a lot of what you say, I, I agree with, Banzi, and, and I agree with what Akron's saying here. You know, you, you read the, the, the release with uh, athletic director Charles Guthrie talking about streamlining their brand and, and making their brand identifiable with, with one logo or maybe two logos, as opposed to the eight logos that you could potentially look at right now and call it their primary logo. I totally get that part of it. I just think if I was going to pick a new logo, I want something that's going to get the fan base excited. So you mentioned the the logo from the, the Charlie Fry area, you know, the, the, the A with the, the Rue head there. I think that's that would have been a great choice to go ahead and just make that the primary logo. You even go back a little bit further uh, before they introduced the, the, you know, the kangaroo onto the helmet. Prior to that, 
back before they made gold their second official color when they were still blue and yellow back in the 90s they had that other uh i don't even know what you'd call it the running a or whatever you might call it that is just the block a with like the the wind or what i don't even know what you'd call it that another going back to like more of that retro look i also think that would have been a good idea this this new what they're calling this stylized a that they've announced here these last couple days it just seems very generic to me. It just seems very bland, similar to that Western Michigan Block W that they put out last year. At least with the Block W and at least with Western Michigan, they still have the Ghost Bronco on their helmet, right? And and so that I feel like for Western Michigan fans, that eased the the the, the pain of that transition a little bit. Here with Akron, I mean, if, if, if the comments on our post on Twitter are any indication, a lot of Akron fans don't necessarily love this new primary logo, and now they're going to have to see it on their football helmets. They're going to have to see it at midfield of the football stadium. They're going to have to see it at center court there at the basketball arena. I just think – I think – I can again, I can understand them wanting to streamline things, Vansy, but I feel like having – picking one of their already existing logos or going back to more of a retro option – I think that might have been something that to me would connect with the fan base a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I have to wonder if this isn't coming out a little bit too late because had this come out sooner, uh, you know, say March, you would have had, you know, th- this logo for when Akron was winning the Mac basketball tournament and yeah. going against UCLA and the NCAA tournament and a lot of people tuning in would have said, Oh, that's Akron. That's their logo. So I almost wonder if this is at a, you know, a couple months too late, um, but I think that's kind of the thing, you know, it's kind of a turning of the page, um, you know, accurate. I think all those logos, you know, you talk about, oh, well, that's what Charlie Fry wore. Okay. That's great. But Charlie Fry didn't play women's volleyball. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he did it, you know, who knows what went on at the dorms, you know, <laughs> but it, it's hard to, you know, kind of take that logo from a football helmet outside of like a major you know i know michigan does it for football and hockey and things like that with the winged helmet but i think that's really hard to do outside of that at a major football power and say okay well we're identifying with it you know the probably the thing that i can think of is emu they have the diamond plate blocky and then for other sports other than baseball they just have the generic blocky you know so and that's not even really synchronized and the other thing is is it's going to be interesting to see how much of this logo carries over into admissions and into academics and, mm-hmm. and how much they'll really run with this and make this, you know, the university logo because athletics and um, athletics and academics, that line as far as recruiting is becoming blurred. You know, nothing, you look at Boise State admissions, Gonzaga admissions, nothing really got those schools on the map academically so much as successful sports programs where people are like, Oh, that gray turf, or excuse me, the blue turf. Oh, that's pretty cool. I want to look at Boise state, you know? And so there is that correlation between academics and athletics and syncing up the logos, I think is something that a lot of schools are now looking to do. Yeah. That's a great point, Vansy. It is. So as, as mentioned, you know, they, they, they gave us some, some you know, mock-ups of what the football field is going to look like and the football helmets as well. I haven't seen full jerseys or anything like that. So we'll, uh, obviously those will be coming here over the next couple of months. We'll keep you all updated uh, as we get those developments. But seems uh, from, from the fan base thus far, the response to this rebrand seems to be 
uh, lukewarm at best. So Akron fans out there on Twitter, if you're listening to this, tell us uh, why you agree or disagree, why you like the rebrand or any uh, criticisms you had of it. Uh, moving on here, Vansy, a, a little bit more of a, a more somber story here and uh, one that I, I think you might be able to, to shed some additional insight on. But uh, Eastern Michigan assistant football coach Fred Reed uh, passed away this uh, past week unexpectedly, only age 54, uh, past game coordinator and safeties coach for uh, the Eagles. This was his 27th season uh, as an assistant coach, 25 of those seasons being in college. Uh, two of them being in the NFL. And uh, he's been in uh, Ypsilanti since 2016, Vans. He came to, uh, came to Eastern Michigan after uh, the previous three years uh, were spent at Syracuse. Uh, really has um, Im- improved the defense, improved the secondary there over his time in Ypsilanti, uh, Ypsilanti Vansy. And so, uh, Vansy, for, for you, someone there on the ground closer to the program uh, than I am, than most of the people listening are, um, what, what are the, what, what have you been hearing from Ypsilanti this week? What are the thoughts there? Um, what, what is, what's, how, how's this story been taken locally? Well, yeah, real quick. I just want to kind of, um, pause and take a step back. And, uh, you know, I think I speak for both of us and I know we tweeted it out, but I want to go beyond the tweet and just say, you know, um, our condolences to, uh, you know, the, the Reed family, yeah. uh, the Eastern Michigan football and athletic family, um, you know, a tremendous loss. And uh, boy, the, the thing that I was really struck by this uh, that kept coming out um, was you didn't hear any, you know, you, ne- you didn't hear too much about coach, you know, which was interesting to me. You heard a lot about, you know, what a model man, what a model father, what a, you know, like he pushed me to be better academically. He taught me how to be a man of honor and things of that nature and in uh, different people, not just players and coaches who are in that room, but the, the support staffers who, w- you know, would uh, comment on some of the, you know, uh, comments that Reed had in passing. And, uh, you know, so I think that can't be lost. Um, you know, obviously a very successful football coach time at Syracuse time in the NFL with the Detroit lions, um, you know, so that that his his time at EMU, you know, it all speaks for a very successful coach. Um, his son this fall, I believe it's pronounced Amar Reed um, from Canton, Michigan. He's going to be a true freshman. His tweet was, "We lost a great dad, coach, and all around man today. You were what pushed me, and always will be. Rest easy, dad." And then there's a heart emoji. So I mean, that's just tremendously tough to read to think, to, to fathom, you know, um, what uh, that young man and that family must be feeling, uh, you know, from what we have heard, it was a medical emergency. Um, You know, we won't speculate, speculate further, um, but a tremendous loss, Um, you know, and and the thing is you didn't just have defensive backs or defensive players kind of coming out and saying, Oh man, you know, we're going to miss him. It was the entire team. And, uh, you know, it just uh, just seemed like a great guy, a lot of energy. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, you got uh, the passing game coordinator, defensive passing game coordinator title. That's a very outstanding uh, title, and that, that speaks to his value on the staff. The other thing, and it kind of summarizes the grind that is college football, but I believe this broke Saturday or Sunday. And Monday you had EMU coaches tweeting out recruiting stuff from the recruiting trail yeah 
you know, they, they lose a colleague and the grind doesn't stop. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really, uh, you know, really something. And they, there's been no announcement as far as I'm aware of when the memorial service will be um, or anything of that nature. Um, you know, but I, I would imagine you would see, and it seems trivial, but I would imagine you would see, uh, uh, you know, a sticker on the helmets, a patch on the jerseys potentially. And EMU has this tradition of, you know, they have somebody each week, you know, kind of carry out the wrench, somebody important to the program, um, somebody who maybe overcame something. I would think that that young man, Amar Reed, uh, would be a front runner to carry out the pipe wrench, the gigantic pipe wrench. Um, for the opener against Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I do feel so bad for his son, Amar. You know, you, you work your whole life to, to potentially play college football, and then you have the chance to get coached by your dad and then have that get taken away from you like that is, uh, is certainly tough. Uh, yeah, thoughts with the whole family, with the whole program. Um, it's, it's, you know, you said it, uh, you articulated very well something that I was trying to uh, articulate in my mind earlier today. And, and what I observed is very much what you said was, you know, I'm reading these articles about him and so much of what was said about him had nothing to do with his abilities as a football coach, right? It's all about him as a man and the impact he had on the community and the impact that he had on the young man or the young men, excuse me, that he coached. And I think that right there shows you the impact that a, a, a truly, you know, a good coach can have on, you know, the amount of lives that he's able to affect over the course of his career, you know, 27 years, 25 in the college ranks bounced around. He was also coached previously at Ohio and Buffalo. Uh, so, you know, was well, well, um, well seasoned in all things, mid American conference. And so um, rest in peace, uh, rest in peace to, uh, to, to coach Reed, Fred Reed, uh, passed away this past weekend, age 54, the, uh, passing game coordinator and safeties coach for, um, for Eastern Michigan will be interesting. I mean, just purely from a logistical standpoint and from the coaching staff standpoint, Banzi, it will be interesting, uh, to see how, uh, coach Creighton opts to, to fill this vacancy on the staff, maybe, you know, figure, you know, a little bit late in the cycle here, maybe they promote someone from within, but certainly even if you are one of those coaches that might get promoted from within, this is that these are never the circumstances with which you want to earn that opportunity. Right. I I'm sure uh, that, that whole, that whole building is, is hurting right now. So um, that's something that we'll be keeping an eye on here over the coming weeks. We'll see, uh, you know, how Eastern Michigan uh, is, you know, fills those shoes. And certainly those, those are, are big shoes to fill uh, with, with coach Reed passing away. One more uh, general news story here, Vanzi, uh, wanted to touch on before we move into some softball and baseball talk. Uh, you know, we haven't talked a lot about uh, some of the other Olympic sports here uh, this this uh, this spring season. However, did want to give a quick shout out here to Central Michigan's women's lacrosse team, the Chippewas, making their first trip to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they just clinched their first MAC uh, conference tournament title this past Saturday. They knocked off Robert Morris 20 to 10, who is an affiliate member of the MAC in women's lacrosse. Central Michigan, only their seventh season as a program, Banzi, finished the year 12 and 7, win the MAC championship. They're going to make their first NCAA tournament appearance uh, this coming Friday, the 13th, taking on Northwestern. 
Uh, Vanzi, Northwestern, fourth nationally, uh, fourth seed in the 2019 tournament. Uh, very traditionally a very, very strong women's lacrosse program. But Vanzi, we, like I mentioned, we haven't talked really any women's lacrosse here this year, but certainly quite an accomplishment for Central Michigan to get to the NCAA tournament and win the MAC championship in only their seventh year as a program. Yeah, and I don't know if you've watched any uh, Northwestern's uh, women's lacrosse. Uh, that's a tough word, apparently. But uh, they play right on Lake Michigan. Yeah. Like if a ball goes out of bounds, it could go into Lake Michigan. Uh, lacrosse is a growing sport. Uh, definitely, I think there's a video game out for it. It's definitely something which uh, is getting more attention. Um, more, more and more schools are adding it. You know, you look at Central Michigan in their seventh year. Eastern Michigan starts playing lacrosse next year. So, you know, you're starting to see more and more Mac schools um, add to sport and it continues to grow, um, you know, seven years. I mean, you know, you start talking about it really, you know, you have what your, your, you know, four years of class. So that's still, you know, kind of in that window where yeah. you're just talking about, I mean, the, being a very young program. You know, and um, just to come that far into win the MAC title and to make the NCAA tournament uh, is a tremendous season. Uh, definitely wish them a lot of luck. Um, it's going to be very tough. Northwestern, as you said, is a very strong program. I actually went to uh, you know one game this year, Michigan lacrosse, uh, and it was against Northwestern. So okay. you know, so that's kind of uh, you know kind of an oddity there, but. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, so that's very odd to, to say, but a very strong program on um, the class of the Big Ted. And uh, yeah, that's going to be uh, definitely a tough one. Yeah, you talk about you talk about, you know, matching up against against the Blue Bloods or the Greats. Well, Central Michigan will have that opportunity here on Friday. You mentioned Central Michigan only being around for seven seasons. This is only their seventh season of competition. Well, to give you an idea of what they're going up against, Northwestern won seven national championships in an eight-year span from 2005 to 2012. They were also in the NCAA semifinals in 2019 and just last year in 2021. So talk about a, a program that is established uh, in Northwestern. Sarah Tisdale in the Chippewa is going to have a chance to take a uh, take that on as the new kid on the block, Sarah Tisdale in her seventh season as head coach at central Michigan. She's the only head coach this program has ever known. She's gotten them to the big dance here. We'll see if the Chippewas can make any noise against one of the, 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 the biggest names in the sport. The winner of this game will take on the winner of Notre Dame and Michigan in a second round game on Sunday. Uh, but again, this first round matchup for Central Michigan's first ever NCAA tournament appearance of women's lacrosse uh, will be this coming Friday, the 13th at 5 p.m. Eastern time there in Evanston. So best of luck to the Chippewas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Vanzi, let's talk a little bit. Uh, another sport we haven't talked a ton about here this year. It's this Max softball. Softball season wrapped up this past weekend. The Mid-American Conference softball tournament is coming up this week, Thursday through Saturday. Let's take a look at what we got here, Vanzi. I guess quick, first off, uh, take a quick look at the, the final standings. You mentioned it briefly last week. Miami really uh, kind of dominating the field here in, in softball in the MAC this year, finishing 24 and five in the conference, 36, 15 and one overall. Similar to baseball, we got top four teams in softball are going to make the conference tournament. So we got Miami as the one seed at 24 and five in the conference, Ohio, the two seed at 17 and 10, Central Michigan, the three seed at 17 and 11, and Bowling Green, the four seed sneaking in the Falcons, 16 and 11. So really not a lot separating teams two through four there. Uh, but Vanzi, let's, I, I mean, general, general impressions. First of all, I think, you know, we look at baseball, obviously we had two teams, central Michigan and ball state at the top who've clearly separated themselves from the rest of the conference here. It seems like Miami's kind of by themselves at the top of the mountain. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, pretend that I've seen any of their games or anything of that nature, just kind of, you know, have read up on them and, uh, you know, significantly, uh, you know, ahead in the standings. Um, you know, definitely looks to be the class of the Mac, uh, you know, and they're going to be tough for any team to get by. Uh, you know, if you look at the bracket, they, you know, obviously, you know, four teams, they, they, well, one, they get to host the tournament. They're going to host it down there yeah. in Oxford. And, uh, you know, so Miami will play Bowling Green, the fourth seed, and, and that's a tremendous advantage. Uh, to be the number one seed and to be the the, the home team as well. So that's not going to do anyone any favors um, trying to knock them off um, this coming weekend. Or actually, um, you know, it starts Thursday. So whatever, yeah. you know, so it, if, you know, depending how we release this, you know, they, they may have already started. Yeah, so I think what we're going to probably do here, folks, so we're going to release this Thursday morning. So you'll have this in time for all of the Mac softball games taking place Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But yeah, Vansy, I, I mean, I agree with you. It really, I mean, Miami here really, really has, has separated themselves, especially offensively. I mean, 310 batting average, that's over uh, 30 points better than the second best team in, in terms of batting average. I mean, they, they've scored more over 50 more runs than every other team in the conference. Offensively, this team is just so good. And, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of talent on this offense. You look at Carly, uh, Carly Spade, second in the conference in batting average. Chloe Parks is up there. Maggie Murphy, Allie Cummins. I mean, all, all four of those folks. And then you throw Kate Kobayashi in there. That's five people on your roster hitting over 325. I mean, up and down the, the, the roster, this is, they just get on base and they score runs. And it's hard to combat that. But when we look at the, when we look at the matchups here, for um, this weekend specifically, Vansy. So Miami's the one seed. Uh, they get to host. They'll take on Bowling Green on uh, on Thursday and in, in the second game. So they'll they'll be a 331st pitch for game one, though. Ohio and Central Michigan 
Uh, we'll tip our what's you tip off. Well, first pitch will be at at one o'clock there in Oxford on Thursday for Ohio and Central Michigan. Ohio uh, did defeat Central Michigan two games to one in their only meeting this series or this season. Miami did the same thing to Bowling Green two games to one. Uh, the Redhawks bested the Falcons. But Vanzi, one thing I wanted to point out here, and something that I'm going to be keeping my eye on is that in a, in this, right, this isn't a series anymore. This is your, you got one shot to, to play these teams and, and, and win. Right. So starting pitching makes so much of a difference in these games, whenever it's just a one, you know, it's one game, it's one matchup. And when it comes to pitching Vanzi, there's, I don't know that there's anybody in the conference better than Bowling Green's ace, Peyton Gottschall. You look at the, the major pitching statistics in the MAC. She leads in all of them. ERA, she's first. Opposing, opponent, opposing p- opponent batting average. My goodness, if I could talk. She's first. Innings pitch, she's first. Strikeouts, she's first. Wins, she's first. Saves, she's first. So if, if there's one... Uh, person or one team that I feel might be able to beat Miami. If you put Peyton Gottschall on the mound for Bowling Green here, and she has her best stuff, even though Bowling Green is the four seed here, even though Miami beat them two out of three earlier this season, I can definitely see a way where Peyton Gottschall is dominant and the Falcons knock off the Red Hawks in, in the first round here. That a, is that a not so fast Lee Corso softball upset, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? You know, I honestly, yeah, sure. Put me down for that. I am going to pick the Falcons over the Red Hawks on Thursday. First okay. round of max softball tournament. Okay. And uh, you know, one thing to keep an eye out though, Miami, I mean, so, you know, you're talking about Bowling Green's pitcher. She was the Mac uh, pitcher of the week this past week. Um, you know, obviously with numbers like that, not surprising, and, you know, I could see why you would go that route, but uh, not so fast. Brianna Pratt of uh, Miami from Perrysburg, Ohio. That's like right in between Bowling Green and Toledo. So I don't know how she got all the way down to Oxford, but uh, she's a senior struck out 10 batters in 14 innings pitched. Um, you know, she was up for, you know, the, the uh, Mac pitcher of the week. Didn't quite get it um, past week two and oh. 0.98 earned run average second straight Mac uh, regular season championship for the Miami Red Hawks there. Um, you know, that's uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. Uh, Miami, I, uh, you know, did some digging last year in the NCAA tournament. They lost to Notre Dame in Northwestern. Uh, there was not a Mac softball tournament last year, the last two years. So this is the first time um, since COVID that there is a Mac softball tournament, which will uh, be interesting to see. Yeah, certainly. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you folks. And like I said, this will be out Thursday morning. Those games start Thursday afternoon. So should have this out in time for you to be able to, to follow along with uh, some Mac softball uh, to get you through into the weekend. Fancy, let's close out the show here with some baseball. Uh, had yeah, a- real quick. What's Real up? quick, I, I got one factoid I got to throw out here. Okay. So I'm looking, I'm looking at this, you know, I, I can't miss this one. I got to give a shout out here. I'm looking over this Mac softball press release. And uh, Brenna Brownfield from Kent State, designated player. Designated player, that seems weird. So I start reading and it says, playing with a torn ACL that requires a pinch runner whenever she reaches base. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, playing with a torn ACL. I mean, I don't know what the softball equivalent of all Madden is, but uh, (laughs) Brenna Brownfield put her on that list. 
that's toughness right there. Certainly. I, I, I stub my toe and I'm down for a day. I, I don't, I can't imagine playing on it on a torn ACL. That's a, uh, that's 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 a well-deserved shout out there for Brenna. So good good catch there, Vanzi. I have a white claw and I'm I'm out for you know for at least <laughs> half a day. Yeah, yeah. I get that extra. You know, you, the the wings are too spicy and I'm on the IR for a while. You know, so yeah, I can't even imagine playing with a torn ACL. So shout out to Brenna there. A well-deserved uh, shout out, Vanzi. Uh, let's look at the baseball uh, where we're at in baseball right now here, real quick before we get out of here. Ball State. Uh, continues their strong form as of late. They took three of four from Kent State this weekend. They got their winning streak up to 11 before uh, Kent State won the last game of that series. So Ball State still in first place uh, after winning three of four there. They're currently 26 and five in the conference. Central Michigan right behind them at 24 and six. Uh, the Chippewas took three of four from Western Michigan this weekend. Ohio swept four from Akron. Uh, Northern Illinois and Eastern Michigan split four games. Toledo and Bowling Green split four games. And then Miami uh, was the lone non-conference team this week. They took on Illinois out of the Big Ten and were swept in three games by the Illini. Uh, but Vanzi, let's take a look. The big story here, I mean, two weeks left to go this weekend and one more uh, where we got basically four teams, uh, maybe five, you know, five teams uh, still in contention for uh, the last two spots there uh, for the MAC, uh, MAC tournament. So we got Ohio in third place right now at 16 and 12, Toledo in fourth place at 18 and 14. Uh, for everyone else, I mean, Eastern Michigan my, at 15 and 17, Miami 14 and 18, Kent State 13 and 17, Western Michigan 13 and 18. We can throw them in there as well. Tough road to climb for all four of those teams. It, I mean, Toledo and Ohio seem to have uh, the, the advantage here going in these last, uh, you know, six games, eight games of the season. What do you think, though, here, Vansy? I mean, obviously, I know you're an Eastern Michigan guy. Do you see a path for the Eagles to get move up back into that fourth spot and, uh, and find their way into the conference tournament? So I'm hoping to make it out to uh, Ypsilanti this weekend. I got some things going on, but uh, the reason I hope to make it out to Ypsilanti this weekend is uh, Eastern Michigan baseball plays host to Central Michigan. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it uh, does it. And then they got uh, Kent State next week. So it doesn't get much tougher than that. Um, you know, you're, I mean, at least it's at home, you're hosting central Michigan should be great weather. So they should get all of those in, but boy, uh, that's going to be very tough. Uh, you don't have much margin of error. If you're EMU, um, Toledo holds the tiebreaker over you, um, you know, in just a couple weeks ago, it looked like Eastern was going to be better than Ohio, um, you know, had some chances in their series against Ohio and kind of let them off the hook. Um, but boy, you know, when you look up and down these Mac baseball standings, 32 and 15 ball state, 32 and 15 central, I'm talking overall record 24 and 19, Ohio, 27 and 20 Toledo, Eastern Michigan is the next highest at 21 and 27. And, you know, and then if you look at just, you know, so the, the four teams with winning overall records and winning records in the Mac, even are the teams that are one through four in a conference. It's hard to argue that any other team deserves the opportunity to play in a Mac baseball tournament uh, than the teams with winning records. I mean, it just, you know, I mean, it goes without saying. Um, I'm looking more, I'm, I'm real curious about the regular season title. Ball State holds a tiebreaker uh, over Central, obviously. 
but still just right there. Um, just that, you know, one game or I guess, you know, two games, so to speak, uh, really separating them. So that's going to be kind of uh, interesting as well, but it's going to be, I think Toledo's playing better baseball. I know they lost the last time out um, and they're actually playing Bowling Green at the Mudhen stadium right now. Um, you know, so that's something that uh, once this comes out, there should be, there will be a completed result. But uh, yeah, Toledo um, in Ohio, I think right there in the driver's seat. I like their chances of going. Um, Eastern Michigan's going to have a tough time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Those two teams, they, they do seem like they're kind of in the driver's seat there when it comes to the three and four spots. Speaking of Ohio, though, I mean, talk about a tough series this weekend. You got to go to Muncie to take on Ball State. So Ohio uh, with a chance to solidify their spot there uh, in the third place. But I mean, some of these other teams that are looking to climb back up into the stands, you mentioned Eastern Michigan taking on uh, Central Michigan. Kent State and Western Michigan will, uh, will play four this weekend in Kalamazoo potentially big series there. If one of those teams can win three or four, they get themselves back into contention. You also got um, Toledo, Northern Illinois and Miami Akron. So uh, some opportunities there for, for some of these teams that are, are climbing up, trying to climb up back in, into that fourth spot. Uh, Bowling Green is your lone non-conference team this weekend, traveling out to Piscataway, New Jersey to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights who are uh, in first place actually in, in the big 10 right now. Uh, so Vansy, any, any final thoughts on baseball, anything you're specifically looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, no, not, not, uh, really anything other than what we spoke of, but I just got to say, I think if you're a team that's on that bubble, say at Eastern Michigan, a Miami, a Kent state, even a Western, um, you, you basically have to, at this point, sweep a series. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because if you're splitting series, you're not gaining any ground. And that's hard to say, um, and, and it's even harder to do, but it's the truth. It's a fact. It's a fact for sure. There's not a lot of time left here. I mean, you got eight games left to, to make your case and, and climb back up into that fourth spot. And in some cases here, I mean, you got to make up three games, making up three games in eight games. Not not an easy thing to do. You need, Not only do you need to sweep a series or two, but you're going to need some help as well. So we'll see how these last two weeks play out here on the Diamond. Uh, we got the, the softball tournament coming up this weekend. We've got the baseball tournament in a couple weeks. So a, a lot of postseason action here uh, on the Diamond between the bases here coming up over the next couple of weeks. So that's going to wrap it up for us here tonight, folks. We appreciate you stopping by as always. Vansy, always a pleasure, my man. Any final uh, any final words of wisdom for the good of the people out there? Oh uh, yeah, you know, up here in uh, Mac Country, we talk so much about you know the cold weather, the bad weather, and the weather we get on the Maction Wednesday nights and Tuesday nights. You know what? Uh, we're at a point where uh, some good weather is starting to settle in. You know what? Uh, get out there, have some good, you know, enjoy the weather. Maybe check out a ball game. Get outside. You know, uh, there'll come a time in the in the winter where you might not be outside for three or four months. So get outside. Totally agree, man. We complain all winter about the cold and the wind and the snow, but uh, whenever we're, you know, whenever we get the nice weather, we got to take advantage of it. So I totally agree with that, folks. Hey, maybe go for a nice little walk while you're listening to us talk, while you're listening to this podcast. Maybe that's a, a nice way to get some steps and get the blood flowing. Anyway, that'll do it for us this week, folks. Thank you, as always, for uh, stopping by for episode 96 of The Bandwagon. I am Zach Follower. He is Zach Manuenzi. Thanks for stopping by. As always, folks, we'll talk to you again next week.